Welcome to My College Corner, sponsored by Invite Education. I'm your host, John Hupalo. Now, college is expensive. That's not the newsflash. It's also easy to get a lot of advice about how to defray the cost of college. Previously on My College Corner, we've talked about need-based and merit-based aid and scholarships, and they're all great. But today, we're going to learn about how to earn a degree from a very prestigious university, and in most cases, for free. That's the newsflash. Your son or daughter can go to college and get a great degree for free. My guest, who's going to explain all this to us, is going to give us the secret sauce, and his bio could not be more impressive. He played Division I basketball at Yale University. He received his MBA from the Harvard Business School. He worked as an investment banker at Goldman Sachs, one of the great investment banking institutions in the world. He was a Navy SEAL officer where he was trained, I'm sure, to avoid sharks in the ocean, but apparently he rethought some of that and swam with the sharks as a contestant on the popular TV show Shark Tank. I'm very excited to welcome today's guest to my college corner, Phil Black. Phil, welcome. Thank you, John. Happy to be here. Well, Phil, I'll tell you, I want to start, first of all, by thanking you and all the veterans of our great country for your distinguished service. And we are a grateful nation. And, you know, particularly as we're just in front of the 4th of July uh, celebration, our Independence Day, and we really appreciate all that you've done uh, for the country. So thank you for that. You're welcome, John. You know, I don't, I don't mean to stretch this too much, quite honestly, but the timing, I don't think, could be better around Independence Day to also discuss how students, college students, high school students, and parents can think about how they can find independence from the old model of financing college. And Phil, no doubt, would be a very entertaining interview as a, a Navy SEAL, tell us Shark Tank stories, but really, we'll ask him about that later. What I'm really interested in is understanding how he got involved with his current passion and his current mission, PrepWell Academy. So, Phil, what is PrepWell Academy, and how did you get started here? Yeah, thank you, John. A few years ago, I was on, as you mentioned, the show Shark Tank. I started a fitness company called FitDeck, which was a deck of exercise playing cards, and each of those cards had a different exercise, exercise on them. And when you shuffled those cards up, you created your own little dynamic workout. And I got onto the show Shark Tank to pitch that business after running the business for seven or eight years and didn't get a, a deal on the show. But a couple months after that, was able to sell the business and found myself with more time on my hands and a little bit more breathing room and space to get reintegrate with the family after running my own business for a while. And I found myself on the sidelines, like probably many parents out there, of soccer games, lacrosse games, water polo matches. And my kids were a little bit younger then, a couple years younger then. And I kept getting pulled into these conversations with parents who seemed to really be almost panicked about the college admissions process. And I heard stories about, hey, Johnny couldn't get into UCLA with a 4.3 GPA, and Susie got into this school but couldn't afford it, and we don't know what to do. And somehow I kept getting drawn into these conversations, and everybody started looking at me saying, hey, you went to Yale, you went to Harvard, why don't you figure this stuff out? Help us out, help our kids out. So I started looking into it knowing I had four sons coming up the ranks, and I said, let me look into this, let me get ahead of this so that when my kids start coming through, I'll, I'll have a little better heads up on on what the situation is. So I did that. I went back to school to get credentialed in college admissions counseling. I started tutoring kids and having seminars with larger kids locally. 
And that grew into a business today, which is called Preppel Academy. You know, Phil, what, what really I'm taken by this, because a lot of us, I'm in the same boat that you were. I got invite education off the ground because of my own personal experience. I'd spent a lot of time in the private credit student loan world. And it wasn't until the rubber met the road for me with my, my two girls saying, okay, how are we going to do this? And I thought, I think just exactly like you did, like, I, I, see, I should know something about this. How can, how can I go out and really help uh, families? And I think there's no shortage, frankly, of folks who try to help in this way. But what distinguishes you and, and PrepWell from some of the others who are trying to, to do uh, something fairly similar? Yeah, there's a lot of advice out there. I think the things that distinguish Preppel Academy is, number one, early preparation. And by that, I mean many times college preparation starts in 11th grade. That's kind of the party line out there. Start in 11th grade, start in 11th grade. And in my experience over the last few years, I've just found that the ninth and the 10th grade years were what I call the setup years, were probably more important than what happens in 11th grade because it's some, in some form or fashion that the die is already cast. And I like to tell people that 70% of the body of work that gets represented on a, on a student's application is already done before they step one foot into junior year. That includes your GPA and the classes that you took and the summer experiences and extracurriculars and how much you're preparing for the SCT or the ACT. A lot of that is done before 11th grade. That's 70%. That's a lot of information or a lot of, of, uh, of body of work to ignore and wait till 11th grade to start figuring these things out. So early preparation is a big one. Another one would be online. Prepl Academy is primarily online, so it makes it very convenient for parents Having four kids myself, I just couldn't imagine having another weekly or monthly place that I had to drive my kids to or set up a meeting or de-conflict calendars. It, that always seems to be a big hassle. So I like the idea of technology being able to overcome that. And then the, there's some specificity in Preppel Academy. There, are, there is a lot of generic information out there if you go to Google or, on, or online. So we have four different tracks. One is for kids who want to go to a top 200 school. It's called Pathway, so pretty competitive schools. Another one's called the Ivy Plan. That's for kids who are thinking about or aspiring to Ivy League or like Ivy League schools. Then we have a military plan for kids who are thinking about service academies, as we'll probably talk about, or ROTC scholarships. And then lastly, athletes. These are kids who want to play sports in college, maybe get a scholarship, maybe a partial scholarship, or just use athletics as a way to get into a college that they might not otherwise get into. And then lastly, my personal experience and perspective. There are not that many, from, from my experience, not that many college admissions counselors with the, with the breadth and the scope of, of experience that I've been fortunate enough to have over the last several years. So I, I feel like I can connect with kids on a lot of these different levels. You're, you're a coach uh, in, a in addition, you're really a coach of the kids and probably a counselor to the parents. And we, I think that's uh, really brilliant. And this idea of early preparation, obviously, using the technology is really important. And at the top, I said that you were going to really uh, help us understand uh, what, the, what the, the difference is, how I can fund my college kid, my, uh, my child's college education for free. I thought that was really intriguing. So what, what's your recommendation when folks come to you and they say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested. I, I want to know, but I really don't have the money. But I have a, a, you know, a student here who's, who's really um, motivated. They do well in school. I, I think they can be competitive, but I just I don't have the money. So what do I do? Sure. Well, there's a whole host of, of advice vis-a-vis -vis 
merit-based scholarships or need-based aid or um, athletic scholarships or athletic partial scholarships. There are those uh, probably a little more traditional things that people have heard about. Now, that's, it's no easy chore to figure all that stuff out and unwind that. And a lot of times that's not necessarily in the control of the student because they have to research the, the, the uh, merit-based aid scholarships and they have to apply for them and they're not really sure, can they get it, can they not get it, are they qualified for it? So this little niche that I've carved out, which has become um, very interesting to me, not only because I'm a military person, but I have four sons who seem to be uh, potentially interested in the military track of some kind. And obviously having four kids, the, the potential college bill coming my way is pretty, is pretty. Uh, it's daunting, uh, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a lot to think about. It is. So formal coming up the ranks. So as I'm talking to different kids, I start looking into this idea of, of the military service academies, which I had heard of in the past. I happen not to have gone to a, a military service academy. And for the audience who doesn't understand that, that nomenclature, a military service academy are the typical names that you would hear of would be West Point, which is the Army's military service academy, the Naval Academy in Annapolis, that's the Navy's equivalent of a military academy. Then there's the Air Force Academy, there's the Coast Guard Academy and the Merchant Marine Academy. So in these cases, you actually go to school for free. And these are, as you probably can tell, these are pretty prestigious names and they're high levels of skill and high levels of training. And um, so I'm looking at this and I'm like, wow, you know, I, even though I wasn't, didn't go to one of these schools, I did become an officer through a different route. Let me look into this. My kids seem to have an inclination for that. I have other, other students coming across my, uh, coming across my program who are interested in this. I happen to live in a big Navy town in San Diego and I'm looking at this, I'm like, wow, this, this is the benefits here other than not paying for it. And we'll talk about the, the quote unquote service commitment after, but we're looking at rigorous academics, high prestige, a great alumni network, world travel, leadership training, real world experience that a lot of kids aren't getting these days. And oh, by the way, you're getting paid the whole time. So the freshman year when you show up at West Point or the Naval Academy or the others, you're actually getting a stipend for books and for other things. So that really got my attention for all the, for all the reasons that, that, I, that, I, uh, that I talked about and really started digging in deep and, and becoming a subject matter expert in this type of thing. ROTC is another track, another military track, which is something similar. And we can figure out if we want to dive into that right now too. But that's also another way to go to a highly regarded, oftentimes prestigious and expensive school, $75,000, $70,000. And instead of paying that out of pocket, you're paying that back through commitment to the country by working as an officer in the Navy, in the Air Force, in the Merchant Marine, the Coast Guard, the Navy, whatever it might be. Yeah, it's absolutely a wonderful opportunity. And, and of course, um, Phil, there's, a, there's an elephant in the room when we, we think about military service that way. And as a parent, you know, you look, in, look around and not all parents are, are thinking that um, sending their child potentially in a harm's way for a free college education is, is a great trade-off. But um, I think when it comes right down to it, uh, there, there, there are ways to address that. And uh, I don't know if that, was, that would be an issue for you with your boys or not. And I know for many families, it's not. But, but when, when folks come to you and say, gee, Phil, that's really kind of interesting. I, you know, I think my, my son or daughter um, would like that kind of experience. They could be really competitive there and do very, very well in the military service. But I, I really have this concern about sending them into harm's way. How do you talk to families about that? 
Sure, it's a well-founded concern, and it's not lost on me. I have four kids, and I've been in the military and at, at a pretty, at a pretty tough, in a pretty tough unit in the Navy SEAL. So that that is certainly was top of mind for me. It was top of mind for my wife as well. And I basically tell the parents, if your son or daughter aspires or their passion and goal is to go into the Army or the Marines, which is part of the Navy, or the Navy SEALs or some kind of a special unit like that, that's the reality. There's not going to be any way around it. I mean, that's, you have to come to grips with that. And you can't, you simply can't get around it. Right. However, not every single commissioned officer in the military is going to be going into harm's way. It's not day one, once they graduate, they're not going to be walking through the streets of Fallujah, right. it, unless they potentially go into these more specific areas that I just mentioned. So there are jobs in the Air Force, there are jobs in the Navy, ship drivers and, and submarine drivers and, and other particular um, jobs that don't necessarily entail being on the front lines. So you have to be careful because you don't really know your child could go in there and they could all of a sudden get really um, interested in, in explosive ordnance disposal, which is more a little bit more on the dangerous side. So the parent has to understand that it's the child's journey and it's the child's decision. But if the child and the parent say, I want this experience, I want this uh, a military experience and all the benefits that it, come, that it comes with, but I'd rather not necessarily be on the front lines, quote unquote, then there's a host of opportunities. A large majority of the jobs are not in that, that forward combat ready position. Yeah, and you know, Phil, as a, as a parent, I, I completely understand that. And there's, there's another element of that as well is that um, it, it is this handoff, of, I call it the responsibility handoff between the parent and the student. And, you know, we, we like to remember our kids when they were infants and eight years old, but the reality is, and I saw this with my daughters, by the time they're 18, you want them to be independent, you want them to make their own decisions. And if they decide, you know, this is something that's really of interest to me, um, I, I think it's really imperative that the parents, you know, let that, that, that student, uh, that child, their, their, their loved one follow what, where it's, what's in their heart. And the other part of this, I don't want to get too bogged down on it, but I also um, know, and I'm sure you can attest to the fact that if you go into those specialty units and the big combat, you're going to be specially trained for that as well. Um, so it's, it's, not, it's not anything that I think us civilians can really comprehend, but uh, I think the, the military has done an outstanding job in the past years to better train up our folks and, and put those, those people in harm's way in, in absolutely the safest conditions that might be possible. I couldn't agree more. And, and, so, you know, Phil, you, you started down the track, and I, I think it's great. So we have the, the service academies, and, you know, my sense is I don't fill out the common app and send them a deposit. Um, you know, how do I actually go about applying uh, to get into one of the service academies? Let's start there. Yeah, like most things, you would go online and you would type in United States Navy Naval Academy application, an application would pop up. Now, there, there are, given that I think there's a lot of benefit to these programs, there are some upfront challenges. And by challenges, I mean there are more hoops to jump through. It's not just like the common application where you open it up, you write your, your essay, you check off the schools that you want to go to, you send them the $75 application fee, and you just check as many as you want. This is a separate application. It's run by the, the service academies individually. So there's more hoops to jump through. The process starts earlier. There's a fitness test involved. So that's not typical for a typical traditional school. 
there's uh, oftentimes a congressional nomination, not at, not in every service academy, but in most of them, and there's a congressional nom nomination that has to be earned through interviews and by applying to a congressman to get their their uh, their okay and their uh, their nomination of you to, to move forward in the process. So that takes some time. There's an interview that needs to be gone through. There's medical evaluations, and of course, there's an application and essays. So there are some things that have to be done ahead of the, the typical common application. And the truth is, not only is the, is the military a you know, big administrative beast at, at some points, but they actually, I believe, want to weed out the people who aren't that interested. And when you tell a student, oh, you have to take a fitness test and you have to do this interview and first there's a nomination, the kids who don't have that intestinal fortitude and that motivation to do it, they typically fall away and what you're left with are people who really want to get after it. They're okay with doing these things ahead of time. They're okay with doing these things that you don't typically have to do in traditional schools. So that, that cuts down the, the number of people that they get in the front door, which in fact helps them on the back end because they can't like UCLA get 125,000 applications. They just, they wouldn't be able to, to get through it all. So there is a little bit of a screen for that. And it's a process administratively and, and a very process driven. Um, and, and so Phil, you mentioned earlier that you have to start this process early. Do you start this process in junior year or sophomore? Like when, when does it, when does it actually begin? Well, typically you would start in the middle of, of, of junior year in terms of the application and in terms of looking for those getting interviewed for that congressional nomination. But of course, as I started at the top of the program, Early preparation is the name of my game. So even though you're not technically filling out an application in ninth or 10th grade, you are building up and positioning yourself to be a viable candidate, i.e. Uh, the, the big things with the service academies, the big three are academics, athletics, and uh, leadership. So when I talk to kids early, I typically start with them after eighth grade, if they're interested in this type of thing. And I start leading them down the path saying, hey, eventually in 11th grade, if you're going to want to be a viable, highly qualified candidate for one of these programs, let's start thinking about leadership positions in ninth and 10th grade or, or just positioning yourself so you can get one in 11th grade. Let's think about what type of sports, whether you want to do a traditional varsity sport or martial arts or something else. Let's make sure we're staying on the up and up in terms of academics because these are very very competitive programs academically. So it's the same thing. I, what, I, what I never like to see is an 11th grader coming to me and saying, guess what? I just found out about ROTC. I just found out about West Point and I really want to go. And I look at their profile and I say, where's the leadership? What happened in freshman year in math class? Why did you waste these three summers not really doing all that much? And, you know, it, it's really, yeah. it's really one of the things that bums me out the most is the regret and the, the, the swing and the miss just because they didn't know. Right. You know, had they known or had a little bit of exposure early on, then they start putting together the, the profile to make them look like a viable candidate. Yeah, I th that, that's really critical. And, and, and let's just say, you know, they go through the whole process and they're, they're not admitted. They still have um, a stellar, outstanding uh, package that they're presenting themselves to other schools and they're going to get into a, a great school somewhere else who actually might give them some merit scholarship or whatever it might be um, if they're not up to that highest highest standard to get into one of the service academies so your uh, preparation of these students is you know not, not it's not a hundred percent bet that you know I'm going to help you and if you don't get into a military service academy you know sorry if you set these students up and you're giving the parents the comfort over a long period of time that this student is absolutely best positioned
for success in the college process. And it doesn't have to be a service academy necessarily, although that might be their goal. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's a huge overlap. I might go so far as to say there's about an 80% overlap between what a service academy, somebody who's aspiring to a service academy, and somebody who's aspiring to a just a very competitive colleges of which there are most of them out there. Great. So there are some tweaks that, that I might steer somebody who's really dead set on the service academy. But I mean, there are some what I call seven repeatable skills that no matter what college, and even if you don't go to college, if you do a gap year, if you want to go into the trades, there are particular skills that I try to teach early on that are going to be repeatable over and over and over again. And as you very uh, astutely said, whether it's a service academy and you wind up, your interest rate winds up fading or you don't get in or you, some other school catches your fancy, 75% of what you're learning along the way is going to be a big overlap. Phil, we have about uh, 10 minutes left uh, in our discussion, and I'd love for you to uh, talk about uh, two things here, and then I will ask you a couple uh, Shark Tank and uh, Navy SEAL questions, because I, I think people would just naturally gravitate toward that and be fun to do. But um, staying on, on topic here, um, you talked a little bit about the service commitment, and also, um, could you just draw a little distinction about the ROTC programs and, and how uh, listeners might be able to uh, think about having ROTC as a way to pay for college for free? Sure. I like to think about the service academies, the West Points and the Naval Academies as full-time military experience. You're going to be in a very structured environment. You're going to be on a military campus, specifically a Naval campus or, or a West Point campus, very organized. Uh, you're going to be saying the yes, sir, and the no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, all day long. You're going to be in uniform. It's, it's pretty hardcore. So that, the person that's, that gravitates toward that is, uh, is a particular person. On the other hand, ROTC, Reserve Officer Training Corps, I like to think about as part-time military experience because you're not going to a standalone military base or, or college campus. You're going to Boston College. You're going to Harvard. You're going to um, Tulane. There's about 130 schools that offer ROTC programs. And you're like an average college student. You sleep in sometimes. You go to fraternity parties. Now, every week, you probably dress up in a uniform with the other ROTC candidates. You might take an extra military class on over, over and above the other classes that you take. And frankly, the people in the school often don't even know that you're an ROTC student except for the fact that you get together periodically. Typically every month you would go on a drill somewhere to, to learn a little bit about the military history and, and, uh, and other things. The summers are spoken for because you get, you get taken each summer to the different types of, um, to see what types of military jobs you might wanna have before you graduate. So the easiest way to think about it is service academies are full-time, ROTC, more traditional colleges, part-time, However, when you graduate from both of these programs, you graduate with the same rank, which means, for instance, in the Navy, you would, you would be an ensign, which is the, the lowest level commissioned officer, and you move through the ranks. So there's not any um, technical benefit if you go to the hardcore Naval Academy or West Point versus going to Stanford or Princeton as an ROTC candidate, um, you, you're going to be going down the same path. And at the end of the day, uh, in both the service academies and the ROTC programs, I, I would have no cost of tuition uh, or, or do I get a stipend in the ROTC, as you mentioned, at the service academies? You do. There's a stipend in the, in the ROTC as well for books and some other miscellaneous. And um, 
so you know and both in both cases you don't pay i think there may be some exceptions some schools there, there's sometimes a little bit of a notional payment but it's certainly not the um and, and, and again, I guess the caveat for all these things that each service academy is a, little, is, is a little bit different sometimes, and even ROTC programs can be a little bit different, um, but by and large, it's a, it's a free education. That's, that's wonderful, and uh, I, I'd just like to circle back um, on your resume and try to circle up a thread here, and, and that is you were a D1 athlete at a great school, an Ivy League school. You're a Navy SEAL. You went to the Harvard Business School. You're a Wall Street banker. You're an entrepreneur. You have four boys. Um, you also told me that uh, you're a fire, firefighter, as am I, a volunteer firefighter. And so sort of, you're not only a busy guy, but there, the common thread here is that it seems to me that, that you're a risk taker, um, but really a, a calculated risk taker. How do those kinds of experiences um, relate uh, to your passion here to, to help families um, find affordable schools? Yeah, I think the, the overarching, what, what I might call superpower that I have is not particularly high intellect. I'm not the most athletic guy in the world. I don't come from money. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm an average guy. I'm a Long Island guy uh, growing up. But the one thing that I do, which I think is, is uh, probably my best skill, is preparation. So all those things you talked about, preparing in high school to be a Division One athlete and getting the grades to, to go to a Yale University as an undergrad, preparing in undergrad to land a job at Goldman Sachs, that's high preparation, whether it's the classes you take or, or the networking or whatever the case may be. Then, of course, being a Goldman, the, the transition I had from Goldman Sachs to the Navy SEALs, probably one of the most severe transitions you can make. <laughs> was a massive preparation undertaking, getting myself physically, mentally ready, transitioning out of sitting at a desk for 100 hours a week for two years to going to BUDS, Navy SEAL training. So the common thread, I think, is upfront preparation, laying out a plan, laying out the steps that need to be taken, having the vision, and getting after that vision every day. Yeah, that, that's wonderful, and, and it applies for everybody. And, and I, underlying all of this is this idea of passion and drive. It's what drives you. What do you want to do? Why do you get up in the morning? Um, and that, obviously, for um, students and parents who are um, really confused and overwhelmed, and maybe they're freshmen or sophomore, and they but they want to do something about it. Um, folks like you are out there really trying to uh, make that happen. And where, where can our listeners um, contact you and what's the best way uh, to find, find their way to some of your great advice? Yeah, probably the easiest way is going to prepwellacademy.com. That's where you could see the different programs that we offer. Love to have you follow on Instagram. Love to have you follow on, on Facebook or LinkedIn. Those are all, all good options as well. And, and Phil, let me, let me just ask you this. I, I said at the beginning, I'd, I'd ask you to, to talk a little bit about um, you know, an anecdote or two from either the Shark Tank or from your time as a SEAL. What, what, what are some of the things that you could share with us? So, you know, particularly on Shark Tank, where I watch that show all the time and you know, we see 12 minutes or so. Like, how, how did you prepare for that? And how, how, what was that experience like? The experience was wild. It was, it was intimidating. It was funny. It was uh, just a life experience that, that not a lot of people have. The one funny anecdote that I will share, which, uh, which still rankles in my head to this day, you're standing, you, remember, you know how the big doors open up and the right. music comes on, you walk through where the shark, the shark tank is and then the second double doors open up. So I'm standing there and I'm a little bit nervous before the, door, the doors open. 
and there's a guy, a guy there who's got headphones on, he's got the little clipboard and he's like my production, the production assistant. So he's standing there and he looks up at me and I'm standing there. He's like, Hey, mister, you're the Navy SEAL, right? And I said, I said, yeah. He's like, oh, all right, cool. Like gives me a little head nod. So I'm like, all right, this guy's got my back. And then I hear like 30 seconds and then I hear 10 seconds. So this guy with the clipboards counting down the time for me, he's like, Hey, Mr. Black, don't worry. It's only 10 million people. And then the doors open <laughs> and then I'm walking and I have in the back of my head, Whoa, wait, wait, 10 million people. And at, to this day, I don't know if they do that to everybody. Do they do that on purpose just to kind of rattle you and then get you on edge? So then you walk out, you find a little mark and you're standing there. And all I could think of is 10 million people. 10 million people don't screw up 10 million people so i always wanted to go back and find that guy and, and rattle his cage and ask him uh was it something i said or did you do that with everybody well i i did see that i happened to see that episode and i did i honestly do remember um a good bit of that uh because they, they absolutely loved you as a person everything you did and they didn't see the value of the business but you obviously were able to turn that around and and make something really terrific out of it just on the on the seal side of that um, the preparation you did as a SEAL for going into some pretty hairy situations probably uh, put you um, in, in good light for, for the shark tank. But um, was there anything in the SEAL training in particular that you've always carried with you um, to, that you pass on to, to students and parents that you're working with? Yes. One incident in particular, we were... Uh, hell week is the, is the period for a week where you don't sleep. You're running around, boats on your head, wet the whole time. I'll try to, I'll try to wrap this story up, but it's one that always sticks in my head. It's about Wednesday afternoon of hell week. We started on Sunday. So a couple days in, we have been wet with wet boots and wet uniforms the entire time. And we're really ragged. We're not looking that we're not looking good at all. So we have, what's called a welfare check with the doctor. We start walking through them. There must be about 70 of us left by then. And the doctor makes sure that you're able to continue on because some, some people have pneumonia, shin splints, broken nose, broken ribs, flesh-eating disease. So there's, a, there's a, a point in there where you have to either yay or nay. Can, can you continue on or not? So, of course, everybody wants to continue on. So it takes a little bit of a process to get everybody through. And the sun is going down. And once you get through with the doctor, you get to put on dry clothes for the first time in many days. And they put Vaseline, they put medicated Vaseline on your feet. You're putting new shoes on and new top and new, new pants on. And everybody's gathering around and starting to get dusk out. And of course, as soon as you start feeling comfortable and everybody gets through the doctor, the instructors say, all right, guys, you know the deal. Get down to the water's edge. And there's just a big sigh, like, oh, man, we're, right, we're going right back into it. So we all gather around, arm in arm, facing the Pacific Ocean. 10 feet back from the water and we're staring at the ocean and all of a sudden this guy breaks free from the chain and he starts running over to the ambulance to quit because you can, you can quit at any time. Mm. And I look over and it happens to be somebody in my boat crew and I want to stop him. So I try to run over there. I get in trouble because you're not allowed to stop somebody from quitting. So I'm doing push-ups, and this guy quits and this guy was a stud. I mean, this guy was six, four, Navy guy, and there was no way this guy was ever going to quit, and he rings the bell. So the instructors say, anybody else want to join such and such for some hot coffee and donuts? And all of a sudden, 12 guys quit. Boom, 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 wow. boom, boom, boom in a row. Wow. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Wow. And the point of the story was, uh, one of the points of the story was, 
when somebody really strong and a big role leader quits, they, they drag along a lot of people who are thinking to themselves, wow, if that guy can't make it, I don't have a shot. Wow. Yeah. They, drag, he, they dragged a bunch of people with them. So PS, we continue to stand there arm in arm. And the instructor then says, all right, everybody, right face. So right face is a command where you're, you're making a, a movement and you're facing north. So instead of going in the water, we start running down the beach. So the guy who quit, thinking that we were going to go in the water and he couldn't imagine going in the water as the sun went down again, he all of a sudden breaks free and wants to get back in. He's like, no, I want back in. I thought we were going to get wet. And what do you think the instructor said to him? Thanks anyway. Thanks, but no thanks. Yep. So I tell my, my sons and my friends, like, don't be that guy. Wait the extra five minutes. Wait the extra five seconds. Maybe things will get better. Don't have that regret that had, if, had I only waited that extra month, the business would have, would have done well. Had I only waited and, you know, filled out that extra application to go to school XYZ, make the, F, make the extra effort, don't pull up short. Well, Phil, thank, thanks so much. And I, I, I do the same thing. I say, don't take the easy way out. You know, I don't, I don't have never met anybody who is extraordinarily successful who did it because they took the easy way out. Um, so I, I want to thank you, uh, Phil. It was truly an honor to, to have you here in my college corner. Appreciate very much honor your service and, and those other veterans to our country. And of course, for all the great work you're doing with so many families and students to help them achieve their dream of college. And that wraps up another great interview here in my college corner. And Phil, thank you. Thank you so much again. I hope you'll come back and join us uh, down the road and we can continue this conversation. Yeah. Thank you, John. Happy 4th of July. To you as well. And on behalf of Phil Black, I'm John Hupalo thanking you all for tuning in. And until next time, remember, saving a dollar today is better than borrowing one tomorrow. <laughs>